Welcome to episode 103 of Auto Off Topic. 103. Did we do 102? We did do 102. Hmm. I have argued this for too many times, but I feel like just two episodes ago it was 100. And then we did 101. Yeah. Yeah. And then we did 102. Hmm. Okay. I'll go to the notes if you want. No, it's okay. It's okay. Is this how we're going to start? Uh, nope, because I just checked it, and this is 103. All right. Good job. Sorry. I've been yelled at for arguing episode numbers with you before, so I'm sure I will be again. I was on it this time. There was one time, though, you were right, and I... I think that's what happened. I, I was beat right, you down. I was right once, and yeah. now I just, you know... Yeah, I had to apologize. Riding, the, riding that po- wave. You were right, and then I apologized to you on the next one. I don't even remember what numbers those were. Long time ago. Yeah. OG listeners. You didn't remember together. that either, remember? What? You didn't remember then either, remember? Nope. (laughs) That was the whole point. All right, so corrections, this is episode 103. That's not a correction. It was right in the first place. (laughs) Corrections, Brad is wrong. (laughs) Um, All right, quick project car updates. Uh, Fog light bulb and the glant burnt out like years ago, and I just never got around to changing it until like the other day. Did you say years? Years ago. That's awesome. Yeah, I just never got around to changing it, and I swapped it out because apparently it looks like I hit Maybe the bumper against something in the bottom and it cracked the glass. It could have been cracked from a rock off a tire in front of you too. Who knows? It wasn't on the face of it though. It was on the very bottom edge. Yeah, doesn't like the bumper flexed and cracked it. Whatever. Uh, moisture got in there and it ruined the bulb. So I swapped it out and I've got a fresh one. I've got a fresh fog light mm-hmm. that I'll swap back in after road tripping the car because yeah, we're driving it like two thousand miles in the next. Or yeah. almost 3,000, right? No, 2,000 no, miles. 2, so I'll put the, because I'd put the new one in, and then a rock would go through it, so. Likely. Yeah. Which, and you put, not, when you put it in, you should get some, like, mylar clear cover for it, too, just to protect it against smaller rocks. Yeah, that would probably help. Uh, and then I gave it, like, a really good deep cleaning. I didn't, uh, I didn't wax it, because I didn't wax it well in the beginning of the year, and I hadn't driven out in the weather very much, so a little spray wax. Looks good. Clean the inside of the windows. Wiped down every surface. Tried to condition the leather best I could. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what is interesting? Something in the new types of cleaning products, or these cars are just getting so old that uh, I was using glass cleaner, like glass cleaner that's made for window tint. So you think it's pretty, like not Benign. very yeah. aggressive. It took the um, lithography. What am I trying to say here? Lomography? No, what, what's screen printing on switches? There's a name for it, and yeah, I'm messing you're, it up. You're close, but I don't know exactly I'm either. I'm completely so. butchering it. Lithography. That's it. Uh, it wiped that white stuff off the window switches, and then was starting to do it on, like, the turn signals. Oh, that's weird. It's super weird. And then, like, I was like, that's weird. So then I tried it with, like, Armorall, and Armorall did it. And, like, a bunch of cleaning products are doing it. So either they're getting to the point where they're so old. I think lomography was the right word in yeah. the first place. So either they're just getting super old or, like, maybe there's a super high alcohol content in these cleaners to help them evaporate or something. I don't know. That's weird. Well, I used a, what I thought was a fairly benign cleaner on the dashboard of the 80 Colt. And it literally wiped the tan color off of the instrument panel binnacle. Oof. Yeah. I found another one online, thankfully, yeah. but... Yeah, so something to be careful of with 80s, 90s cars. Apparently, yep. new cleaning products are not treating them very well, which is weird because I used to clean the town all the time with stuff the like that. The same stuff, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just age. Kind of a bummer, but uh, whatever. Now that I know, I'll just be more careful. 
lesson learned. So I think I have spare switches and stuff if you need them anyway. I do need to figure out what's wrong with the the master switch because the passenger window will go down but not up from it. But it goes down from the passenger side. It goes I mean, up and down up. Yeah. from the passenger side. Okay. But it won't go up and down. It'll only go down from the driver's side. That's okay. Yeah. For now, anyway, we'll fix it obviously later. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things you continue to forget about until you get in the car again. And you have to reach across to operate your power windows. Well, it's a pretty small car, luckily. So, but yeah, I cleaned all the. I gotta figure out a better way. I need to find a high quality product for leather care, something that can bring back old leather. There are products out there, but they usually necessitate pulling the covers off the seats and soaking them. That's the problem. That would be worth it because one of the seats needs repair because it's splitting at the seams. Yeah, you got to make it soft again so it doesn't just re-split after you repair it. Yeah. Because otherwise the leather is not in bad shape in that car. It just no, it's is just hard as hard. a rock. Yeah. So that would be nice to do that and just save it. And then the carpet is could be re-dyed, but... Actually, that'd be a good time to do it when you take the seats out. Mm-hmm. Do it all at once. Because it has to all come out. Refreshing the whole interior. Prepping yeah. the whole car up. Yeah. I mean, I scrubbed some of it with a cloth and vacuumed it. And it came out pretty good. The car smells really good right now. Until two of us road tripping it for 2,000 miles. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't put any tire shine on it. Clean the wheels. Yeah, we'll do that right before the show. Put a little spray wax on there and help get the dust Keep off. Keep the dust off. And uh, I packed... Basic tools, my spare fuel pump, fluids. Excellent. I don't know what else. No, we're good. Not to much go. else I can bring. Yep. So, can't handle it with that. Then we got this. I mean, people drive worse cars way further mm-hmm. without taking care of them. Yep. So they will be okay. Be fine. Be awesome. I get cars in the shop all the time that got in accidents out here that have, you know, Oklahoma plates or Texas plates or some faraway destination, and the cars are pretty horrible. In general, so we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Oh, you went to uh, Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee in Derry? Yeah, we had the mini cars and coffee. Mm-hmm. Mini as in small, not mini as in mini Coopers. Um, well, it was the first one, so it was, how was the turnout? It was a lot was packed. Cool. Right? Yeah, seventy-five, hundred. It was cars. a nice day. Yeah, it was a beautiful day. Yeah, it was it was nice. It's at the coffee factory, as the one in Salem is, just from a different location. Uh, speaking of which, if you are local, that is this Sunday. We will not be there because we'll be at Radwood. But oh, so it's back. Oh, it's only back to back because it was rained. Because out. Because one was rained out. Yeah, right. they do it there every other weekend. Okay. Um, but one was a rain out, so it's pushed ahead a week. So now it's back to back this particular time. So that's the Salem, New Hampshire Cars and Coffee this Sunday. Cool. Eight a.m. Cool. And you took the uh, sixty-eight Camaro. Yeah. Yeah. Back on the road. Nice. I think we talked about that already. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I'm just uh, saying you you took it out and drove it finally. I did. Yeah, second second appearance this year. Awesome. All right. Anything else? Uh, nope. That's a podcast. That's a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> Seven minutes in. New record. All right. We have a topic tonight. We do. Because you don't want to hear us talk about ourselves all the time. Apparently they do because they keep listening. But we'd like to keep a little variety going here. Yeah. We've had so, any guests for a while, so we think that our project car updates have gotten a little long in the tooth. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Brad, have you ever wondered where wheels come from? Uh, without making obvious stork jokes? Um, no, but yes. The history of wheels is interesting. Because they pretty much make a car a car, because without wheels, it a boat. doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not really a boat. It's a sinking boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a really unsuccessful airplane. And then 
we'll talk about what makes a quote-unquote fake wheel. Okay. But we'll circle back to that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, interestingly enough, I didn't know this before, wheels, and it makes sense now, wheels never existed naturally in nature. Uh, No, they did not. Why would you think they did? I don't know. Where did you think the indigenous wheel tree came from? I don't know. Like, there's no... (laughs) Yeah, but, like, the, the basically... People explain like the reason why people wanted to fly was because they saw birds doing it. Yeah. So why not figure out how to fly? Okay. But how would you figure out that you could use a circular thing to roll over stuff if you've never seen it done because before? Because while wheels as a wheel might not exist in nature, roundish shaped objects have. Yeah. So maybe early humans saw an orange rolling down a hill. And was like, oh, I wonder how I can get down the hill that fast. So they put a board on top of an orange, and it went from there. (laughs) Well, and then it became, you know, rock, Uh, round-shaped rocks. It was probably logs used to move everything. Sure, probably rocks first before there were logs. I'm sure cavemen found rocks that rolled fairly easily, (laughs) and they'd put something on top of it and roll down the hill. (laughs) Actually, that the caveman and the wheel thing is a huge misnomer. I'm not saying anything about the caveman and the wheel. I'm just saying the caveman had a rock. I'm sure they rolled things down the hill on a rock, not a wheel. How would it stay on the rock? Not very well, but does, does it moved it, at distances, and they put it back on the rock and moved another distance. Does a rolling rock gather moss? No, but it makes a shitty beer. <laughs> um, so yeah, 100% human invention. Of course. Just like the car. Also, strangely enough, not present in nature, Andrew. <laughs> Just in case the, the podcast listeners are keeping score of all the... Revelations that Andrew's going to come up with tonight. I'm just saying. (laughs) So it wasn't until like 5,500 years ago that the wheel was invented Mm -hmm. to make pottery. Okay. And then it took another 300 years, they estimate, for people to actually use it for locomotion. Because it was basically came down to carpentry. You had to make a round wheel out of wood. Okay. And it took like also metal tools. So now you're into the Bronze Age. Mm -hmm. And then... It wasn't just the invention of the wheel. It wasn't like, poof, there's a wheel, and, okay, what do we do with this? It was like, now you had to figure out how to attach this wheel to an axle, mm-hmm. and then the axle to a cart. Which was difficult, because carts hadn't been invented yet, because there were no wheels. Right. They probably had sleds <laughs> to drag things. Um, but that that was probably the big watershed moment, was when they figured out how to attach those three things together... And then you actually got locomotion. Okay. Yeah. So another 5,000 years from then, locomotion became a song. Yes. All right. Excellent. Keep up the timeline here. So, I mean, you know, the cartoon myth of like the Monroe caveman, like Mm -hmm. making the wheel. Right. It's not true. No, not true at all. Hmm. So why did they have Geico? (laughs) I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, But I don't want to dwell too much on wheels before the automobile existed because... I mean, that's like thousands of years of history and whatever. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting to me that wheels were not invented for moving things. They are made for a pottery wheel. Well, stoneware, yeah, was yeah. A, a human invention that's been around for a long, long I do time. like how you're differentiating these human inventions tonight. It's very... Well, I'm, learning, I'm learning a lot of things that humans have invented as opposed to... Well, opposed I mean, if you want in to... In nature or invented by other animals. You could... You know, claim that we couldn't figure it out on ourselves, and it was aliens. No. But, okay, then there you go, human inventions. Right, but I'm just saying you don't have to differentiate that. 
The wheel was a human invention. Yes, we're aware. The pottery, stoneware, was a human invention. Yes, okay, we're aware. Fine, I'm just saying. All right. So you can keep doing it. It's quite entertaining. I will. All right. Let's talk about the uh, basic components of the wheel. Okay. Uh, so the hub, which is the center, mm-hmm. and where the invented wheel invented by and coined the term by a human. Yes. Yes. All right. Where I'll the wheel now. attaches to the suspension spokes, uh, connect the hub to the rim of the wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you call the wheels rims, you're wrong. Kittens and puppies get killed. Mm-hmm. So don't do it. Supposed to use a Z. No, then it's okay. No, it's terrible. Don't do it. Um, yeah, you don't have rims in your car. Well, you do, but you have a whole wheel. I have a whole wheel. Yeah, a rim is a part of them. Yeah, uh, it's pedantic, but it's annoying, and I agree. We should not call them rims. No, I don't really know anybody that calls them rims. I feel most non-car people call them rims. And even then, it was like, that was a cool thing to call them if you were a rapper in like 2001. 20, 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, whatever. First wheels on a car. What were they made of? I thought we were talking about time. What, what, what time are we talking about here? First cars obviously had wheels, correct? Yeah. All right. Just checking. All right. What were they made of? Wood. Right. They were adapted wood for a lot of them. Wagon wheels. Yeah, a lot of them had no rubber tires. They'd either have a metal lip that acted as a tire. Mm-hmm. On the rim? Yeah, went around the rim. It was a metal lip around the rim. Uh, it was made by the same people who made the metal rings that held barrels together. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Because mm-hmm. it was the same basic concept. Mm-hmm. I believe that person, though, would be also be called a wheelwright if you made wheels well, for when wagons. You, when you made the metal band around the edge, you weren't the wheelwright. But you were the wheel right if you created the whole wheel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, and they were usually like a six or an eight spoke design. Mm-hmm. They were almost always even in the beginning because it was easier mm-hmm. to create the. I think they just always were yeah, even. Just it was easier to make it work. And this, they came off straight from the hub to the rim. Uh, you know, it worked. They were super heavy. Uh, usually, a lot of times they used artillery wheels. From like cannons and stuff. Yeah, because they're meant for holding heavy objects like cannons you know a, new, a car at the time would have been mm-hmm. insanely heavy because oh, they sure. were like giant because you couldn't make a car like super small yeah, and they were made out of wood and steel yeah yeah <laughs> and iron um and like early tire tech was also super primitive like, apparently you just get flats they constantly. were pretty much like bicycle tires now yeah uh, if the, the closest thing to early tires would be a bicycle tire and not like a fancy multi-ply Mountain bike tire, like your simple road bike tire, mm-hmm. you know, that you would buy at Walmart. Yep. was very similar. It had a tube inside of it because you couldn't have, there was no way to, the wheels weren't airtight, so you couldn't have an air-filled tire. You needed a tube to support the tire yep. and then the tire outside of the tube. And I didn't realize this. You'd have to change the tire with the wheel still attached to the car. Mm-hmm. And you'd unbolt the rim and then somehow support the car. The jack. Yep. Mm-hmm. And swap the uh, tire off and then put it back on. Yeah. It wasn't much different than today, except you unbolted it from the outside of the hub, you know, outside of the spokes instead of the inside of the spokes. So. I just feel like you'd have to do it a lot on the like, side of the road. Yeah, well, you, def- you definitely did. It was super annoying. But, I mean, like today, you can't change a tire without taking the wheel off the car. So, that hasn't changed, you know? No, no. The wheel would have to stay on the car. But the rim came off, so it's kind of like taking the wheel off. 
Okay. You know, you, you unbolted it from the opposite end that you do now, but it was the same basic concept. Mm-hmm. Um, big trucks did this until the 80s with the split rims. You know, the, the five-spoke design and the big, like, you know, Mack truck dump trucks in, like, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. They had that big, heavy cast five-spoke section with these huge, you know, two-inch bolts on the edges of them. Mm-hmm. And when you change the tire, you would actually break the rim from the wheel and change the tire and put it back on again in the same style that the early cars were. Mm-hmm. And those were super dangerous, too, because people get killed all the time by those things. Why, they just get unbolted? I don't know the... I just know they're, I just know they're considered dangerous. I'm not even sure. I don't know big truck stuff other than the basic concept of it. I know my dad said when they were doing tires on buses, they had to when they'd inflate them or mount them, they'd have them in a cage area. Because they put so much pressure to make, make the beads sit. Yeah, I guess. Kind of makes sense. Uh, but have you ever heard of the Ridge, the Rouge Whitworth hub? Rudge. Rudge. Yeah. That was the first design of like a bolt-on style hub, right? Like a center, center lock. lock. Yeah. yeah. And apparently it was it's still used, like the design was so good, that's basically what all center locks are based on. Okay, so on a split rim, the tire is held in place by a locking ring, mm-hmm. and that's where the dangerous part comes in when it's full of air, and you're putting that locking ring on, it can explode, and the ring can kill you. Oh, cool. Yeah. No so, good. Rudge Whitworth was a bike manufacturer. Mm-hmm. So, again, a lot of early car stuff came from bicycles. Mm-hmm. And, if again, if you look at bicycles today, they still rock a center-locking style wheel. Single hub goes through it, and yeah, they do. it's got a bolt on one end. Still the same Rudge hub. Well, no, that's similar. A, no, it's a, it's just an axle that goes through the wheel. Mm-hmm. But so was the Rudge similar style, except it had threads on one end of it. No, no, no. Okay, no. Tell me I'll why tell I'm you. wrong. Sorry. I will. Uh, so bicycle wheels. I gotta explain what bicycle wheels, how they work first, because it'll make more sense. Okay. So bicycle wheels use wire spokes, also known as a suspension wheel. Okay. And think about it this way: the Wheel hub hangs from the top spokes as it turns. The, t- the spokes don't actually support the hub from the bottom because they're not strong enough. You're technically hanging off the top edge of the wheel as it goes around, and it deforms slightly as it hits the ground. Because of the weight. Mm-hmm. So the wheel's not so much, uh, yeah, like I said, it's not so much supporting it from the bottom, but it hangs like a suspension bridge. Okay. And, of course, this style of wheel was lighter than... Wooden ones. Yeah, for sure. Which makes sense if you're on a human-powered bicycle. Yeah, you wouldn't want wooden wheels. <laughs> no. It'd be super Plus heavy. crash to get a splinter. Well, or worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and early bicycles used a radial spoke design, which, again, the spokes just come straight out of the hub. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this about bicycles, but, uh, you know, it's okay for, like, a human-powered bike, but if you put like a motorized engine on there the yeah, amount of the torque, torque will just sp- it'll just spin them, spin them yeah. and just twist them yeah that makes sense so that brought us to like cross hatching of the spokes yeah semi-tangential yeah. spokes is what they call it or that was kind of what they early called it semi-tangential yeah it sounds totally made up yeah it does that's a weird name apparently it's more common in the modern term as cross spokes mm-hmm. that's what i've heard as cross spokes yeah because if you look at your bicycle hub and you look where the bicycle spoke meets the hub versus the wheel, mm-hmm. it won't be directly 
above where it meets the wheel to be so on the opposite each side. Other. Yeah. And this makes the wheel a lot stronger. Yeah, especially when it comes to applying force to it. Yep. Because it has more area to travel through. Well, it's not just directly it's, bolted to it, so it's got more angle and more. It's, it's, con- like a, it's a, curve, con- like a curve instead of a straight piece of metal will be stronger. It's counteracting the forces. Yeah. It's pulling against pushing, each yeah, other. Pushing back. So it's kind of, because it's like super weird. Like, why would you, like, I never really thought about it. Like, it seems like wire wheels are super fragile, but they're not. No, they're pretty strong. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. They're not the strongest thing, but they no, are. No, but for what, considering the materials available at the time. Yeah. They're very strong. They're stronger than the straight spoked wooden wheel and they're stronger than the straight straight spoked wire wheel. Mm-hmm. They're fairly strong. They ran them in racing right until the, you know, seventies in some cars. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah. So what about that Rouge Whitworth hub? So in the nineteen hundreds there were several competing Q D or quick detach wheel designs. Okay, so center lock. Using a center lock yep. nut on a wire wheel. Because changing tires are such a friggin' pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. They wanted a quicker way to do it. So the hub was designed by John Pook, who was the son of the company founder. Okay. Because he was an avid motorist and okay. was annoyed with changing his tires. flat tires. Yeah. He wanted to drive, not wrench. Yeah. So if you've never seen one of these, uh, there's a tapered spline snout with uh, threads that comes off the hub. So it's bolted to the hub pretty like semi-permanently. Like you just leave it. It's bolted to the hub like a wheel would be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you just leave it. Uh, and then the wheel has a matching tapered bore with splines in it. And then it's secured with a single wheel nut, which either has wings on it or it's just a hex nut. Mm-hmm. Um, but the simplicity in his design was not some elaborate method of locking the wheel nut that other ones had. It was that uh, it just used regular threads on the, dr- on the driver's side. Yeah. And reverse threads on the passenger side. Right. So when the wheel is rolling forward, it wouldn't loosen up automatically. Yeah. Well, apparently it's because the wheels naturally wobble in a elliptical fashion. Mm-hmm. And as that they do that, they grab the nut and tighten it. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it made the wheel self-tightening. Or better yet, as they said, not self-loosening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the different threads is why race cars with center locks usually have them painted different colors for each yeah, side of the car. usually red and blue. So you don't confuse them. Yep. Which the center lock technology is still like used today. The same basic setup. For endurance racing, yeah. yeah it's faster. Formula One cars, endurance racing cars. But not NASCAR. Nope, NASCAR is a... Even though they're all about the oldest technology possible. But somehow they forgot this was older technology. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so this style of wheel worked so well that it was quickly adopted to Grand Prix cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, it made wheel and tire changes very quick and proved robust, robust enough for racing. Yeah, it was also used in most street cars at the time, too. If you look at a lot of the fancy higher-end cars of, like, the 20s and 30s, yeah, like the Duesenbergs and the Packards, and mm-hmm. they all have these style knockoff wheels. And it was, um, you know, those cars had, like, those Grand Prix cars, even in the 20s and 30s, had sometimes, like, huge amounts of horsepower. Mm-hmm. And hit really fast speeds. Yeah, they had 150, 180 mile an hour cars. Yeah. It, it, believe it or not, in that yeah. era. Yeah. Which is crazy. So, another interesting thing, Carlo Barani. Of the famous Barani Wire Wheel Company, I assume? Licensed the hub design. Okay. In the 20s. He became the official supplier to Alfa Romeo, Lencia, mm-hmm. and Bianchi. And eventually Ferrari. And who drove Alfa Romeo and then later ran the racing team? 
Who did? Barani? Nope. You know. Oh, who Enzo is. Ferrari. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. So already then, went there. Yeah. Then Barani wheels were original equipment on Ferraris from mm-hmm. 46 to 66. Yeah, for sure. And even after that too, I think, because Daytona was the stuff. Optional all the way up to 84. Okay. Because I know Daytona's and stuff in the 70s certainly could still get a Barani wheel option. Mm-hmm. And uh, early wire wheels. 84? Yeah. You get a, like a 308 with Baranis? Supposedly optional up to 84. Huh. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. So that early wire wheel center lock hub conversion, one of the first aftermarket parts for cars. Like a universal aftermarket part. Yeah. Yeah. People, it would, people would be converting their own cars because it was easier to change tires. And, uh, you know, for the time, it was the best mix of strength and lightness until manufacturing of alloy wheels became more prevalent. And, uh, you know, otherwise, you know, if it wasn't a fancy sports car, once cars became, you know, driven more commonly, you know, out of like the Model T era, um, they came with stamped stamped wheels. That um, does not look right. Brad's Army a 308 GTS. On Barani wheels. On Barani wire wheels. It does not look right. It's kind of weird, but yeah. it's a thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's traditional, but it's not pretty. Anyway, carry on. Sorry, I just... So... Semi-tangential sp- speech here about variety wheels. So, Brad, what's the number one thing you can change in a car to make it more personal? Uh, wheels, wheels, yes. Yep. Yeah, I've been taught as since a child that the wheels and stance will make or break a car. And not meaning stance in the 2015 version of the word, where it means stuffed on the ground with lots of camber, but just how the car sits in general. Mm-hmm. We've joked about this in the past. We need to take that word back. Yeah. Yeah, stance. doesn't mean stance. It means I say stuff has the right how the car still. sits. Yeah. That's, that's no, like you it. and I say it for sure in conversation, but you can't say it on, say, a Facebook group without somebody being like, that car's not stanced. Yeah. But no, every car has a stance. It's true. Uh, so do you know when aftermarket alloy wheels started to become a thing? Because Probably like, in the 50s, if I had to guess. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because there's like, I mean, there's tons of alloy wheel choices now, and most cars come standard with alloy wheels, but it wasn't the case no. all the time. No, because steel wheels were simple and easy. Yep, you could make them out of rolled steel, you could roll the rim. At some then, point, we missed you, it our, our conversation here, we went from spokes to solid steel discs. Not sure where that happened in time. You were looking up 308s on wire wheels. Were you talking about it? Yeah. And I missed it. Yeah. I apologize to the audience for having a sidebar conversation there. Yeah, because unless it was a race car, like I said, yep, it didn't. You know, it would have like fancy wire wheels. Mm-hmm. It was just a normal pedestrian car. It had a stamped steel center and a rolled rim, and they were welded together. And you threw a hubcap on it if it was even that fancy. And everything had steel wheels for. Years and years and years, and it wasn't until the 50s, really, especially on American cars, mm-hmm. that you could get an optional aluminum wheel, maybe, on a car, depending on the brand. I'm trying to think of what the first car, what was the first car with optional aluminum wheels? Do you well, know? the first car with aluminum wheels in general was a Type 35 Bugatti. Yeah, the big six spokes. Yes. Yep, that was 1928? 24. 24. With the integrated brake drums. Mm-hmm. Those are cool. Because they also used the wheel as a heat sink. Mm-hmm. And then... Which was later copied by other manufacturers, yep. notably Pontiac. Yeah, Pontiac was in the 60s. You get yeah. the wide track wheels. 64, I think, was the first year of that. Might have been 60 or 62. Was it that early? Yeah. I believe it was 60 or 62. Hmm. And it had they had a rolled steel rim, and the aluminum center was bolted. And the aluminum center was also the brake drum. Yep. 
And interestingly, I guess when you bought a car with that package, it came with a special adapter. So when the car went in for service, like at a regular gas station, they could balance those wheels because the the center part was so big. Wouldn't fit the balancing machine. Yeah. Um. But anyway, we're getting a little too far ahead. 1960. Yeah, you're right. You could get uh, 55 Eldorado with aluminum wheels. Yep, I remember those too. Yep. Yep. We'll get there though. Uh, so. Let's explain what's an alley wheel and what's a mag wheel, because they are different, sort of. Well, it's the material it's made out of. A mag is magnesium, and yeah, alloy is. They are one and the same, and technically, so are steel wheels. Well, they're all a form of alloy. Exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> now we're being pedantic. Yeah, very much so. So an alloy, an alloy, if you've forgotten chemistry class, is two different materials forged together. Mm-hmm. And uh, steel is iron mixed with carbon. That's what makes it an iron. That's what makes it an alloy. And uh, magnesium alloy is predominantly magnesium mixed with other metals like copper, tin, or aluminum. Because otherwise, um, magnesium and aluminum would be too brittle in their raw form to be used as a wheel. Right. You mix them with other metals to make them more malleable and not shatter. Instead, they bend. And when Before the, they shatter. <laughs> yeah, and when the mixture is off like on 90s Mitsubishi wheels they're real soft mm-hmm. yeah they're terrible yeah the cheese wheels mm-hmm. and interesting so magnesium is like one of the lightest structural metals but it's also highly flammable yeah it's not great for car parts yeah it is as long as the car doesn't catch on fire right so it's not great for car parts yeah okay cars don't catch on fire all too often not too often like wood is a great material for building houses. It's also very flammable. So houses don't catch on fire too often though. Right. But when they do, yeah. They're made out of combustible materials. Well, it's also cheap. That's why. Mm-hmm. So in the early days, um apparently this would also be called bimetal wheels. Alloy. Okay. Because two yeah, metals. Makes sense. Um and we already talked about the Bugatti. Uh so even though like Bugatti came out with those wheels, they didn't really catch on in the 20s. Why they, were, wheel- they were expensive and hard yeah. to manufacture. So and actually, if you look at a Bugatti wheel, they're not finished great either. They're a very rough cast. Yeah. So wire wheels reigned supreme until the 60s in Grand Prix racing. Mm-hmm. And crazy as it may seem, so wire wheels stood up to the most powerful Grand Prix cars of the day. Um, you know, even speeds over 200 miles so an yeah, hour. Some of those 200 mile an hour cars in the yep. 60s. Or 500 horsepower plus yeah. on those Early 60s F1 cars? Yeah. Crazy th- fast. Thanks to the you know, cross-poke design. <laughs> yeah. But really, alloy wheels came from post-World War II California. Southern California, specifically. Where most awesome car stuff started from. Well, that's where the aerospace industry was yeah. during the war, which grew exponentially because it had to happen very fast to keep up. So there were a bunch of hot rodders and engineers... That learned about a bunch of exotic lightweight metals while they were building airplanes during mm-hmm. the war. And said, wait a second, we can use this yeah, stuff. Yeah, when the war was over, and they're like, hey, there's a good way to use this stuff. So, you know, wire wheels were the standard, but they could be improved upon. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's a bunch of early hot rods, especially from like the 30s, that still use wire wheels. Mm-hmm. Like when you see those cars. A lot of them use a forward wire wheel because they have that big center section mm-hmm. and short spokes, so they're real mm-hmm. strong. Mm-hmm. Um. But in 46, there's an engineer named Ted Halibrand. Uh, that's a name I know. Halibrand, anyway, not his first name. Yep. Who worked with magnesium in the aircraft industry and was into early circle drag racing. So you know where this is going. 
he realized the material could be used to build wheels. Yeah, he made magnesium wheels. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is early on, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so these wheels would be stronger, lighter, and safer than wire wheels because they're a solid piece. And, uh, and they also realized, like, if you put lightweight wheels on a car, you gain horsepower without much work. Without making horsepower. Yeah. Unsprung weight is a huge power adder, <laughs> essentially. That much less weight to turn is a lot more effective than making two or three more horse. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the cool thing, like, I didn't realize what, I thought they were just called Halibrands. They actually, Halibrands, they actually have a name. They're Sprints. Sprints. Yeah, there's, there's a couple different Halibrand designs, but the Sprint is the common one. Yeah. It's like a five-spoke, but then in between the spokes, it's flat and has like a little kidney bean relief cut in it. And they call it a big window. Okay. In slang. They're big win- Halibrand big, big windows. Big windows, the big opening. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I didn't know any of that. Kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they ran they ran them on like midget cars, indie cars, Cunningham sports cars had them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the early hot rod guys ran them when they got them, you know, surplus from race teams. Yeah, so they're they probably super expensive. So now they are. Yeah, but from it's pretty cool. So they won. They took first place at Indy 546, and then every winner until 1966. So that's 20 years. Same Kyle wheel. Brands, yeah. Same wheel. It's pretty good. That is impressive. Of course, like you said, they're ubiquitous on Cobras, GT40s, and they're all of the Cunningham cars that went to Le Mans. I picture them on Cunninghams. Yeah, that's the. I don't picture them on GT40s and Cobras. I um, definitely picture them. Yeah, different, a slightly different style though, not the. Just Hal. I said Halbrands in general. Yeah. I don't know if they're the same ones. The they're, sprints, they're a different style. They weren't the sprints. The sprints are what I picture on the on the Cunningham race cars. Mm-hmm. And of course, like you said, they eventually made it to Hot Rodders and mm-hmm. Bonneville Salt Flats. And uh, they still make them today. They're not made by Halibrand, though. They make a. They're light. There's companies that licensed and make them. Yeah. Is that a Halibrand company out there anymore? No. Hmm. No. Regardless, was, I don't think they still make the same design. The name is owned by some other company that makes them, and they they remake the design. And but they're not true magnesium anymore. They're aluminum because. Oh, they're definitely not magnesium no. anymore. Yeah. So that'd be the problem. So you'd have your race car, and your, your magnesium wheels are super lightweight, but if you caught a tire and the tire left the wheel at speed and you've got this wheel dragging across pavement throwing sparks it can ignite and then you've got this massive fire yeah yeah uh, and then you probably have other magnesium parts in your race car and then it's uh yeah it's pretty crazy like uh when blocks cosworth went off there was a ton of magnesium parts in that car there, there was like a spark which seems late for a bunch of Magnesium parts. No, Group A cars. That's 20 years ago. They're still, they still use magnesium in, in uh, maybe not as much in modern cars, but it was still being used for a while. So my research points to the first aftermarket wheel company being American Racing. Rocket Racing now produces Halibrand wheels. Yeah. Um, and apparently American Racing was originally American Racing equipment, and... Basically, it's because they produce wheels in the sizes for streetcars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, much narrower. Yeah, and like, you know, Inky also started in 1950, but in Japan. So we didn't know much about them. Yeah. But it's interesting because like, um, you know, the research I found, like, it's uh, Romeo Palimides. Uh, designed a magnesium wheel for it was a DeSoto drag car that was featured on the November 56 cover of Hot Rod 
and the wheels that are on there look like early American racing like slot mags. Okay. Or Enki slot mags. Mm. Mm. See, that's the weird thing, right? So, like, you know, well, here, I'll start with this. So, like, again, hot rod culture is kind of the genesis for all custom car culture. Mm-hmm. No, no question. No question. Like, 100%. That post-World War II hot rodding culture is what spurns. That's how we got to where we are today. Mm-hmm. And we could do a whole thing on that. So, maybe that's something in the future. Put a, put a pin in that. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, so, like I said, Enki in Japan showed up around 1950. Who is also coincidentally the largest wheel builder today? Today, yeah, they do a lot of OEM stuff still. OEMs, too. Yep. and uh, I didn't realize they had a factory in Indiana mm-hmm. too. That's pretty cool. Well, it makes sense because a lot of the cars now for the Japanese brands are made are in made America here. as well. Yeah, and you know this is where the stuff gets kind of muddy because it's like, uh, you know, American racing probably came up with a lot of the first designs, like the torque thrust. Mm-hmm. And you're definitely theirs. Your favorite, the Libra, that's also awesome. known yeah. as the Daisy, mm-hmm. and a couple other wheels. But like, Inky has versions of them too. Mm-hmm. That very similar. Well, they like we just touched on the slot mag. Inky has slot mags. Yeah, and I think they made the ones that you see on like dealer optional equipment on Dots and Zs. No, or, that that was American Racing. Were those American Racing ones? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. It's weird, right? Yeah. And, like, the big thing that was optional was the Libras on Datsuns. Mm-hmm. And uh, what what are your wheels? Do they have any stampings on them? I have not that I've ever looked other than, like, sizes and stuff. Because supposedly the ones that are stamped with SCCA were the ones that were for, like, competition. Hmm. So you should check them out. I'll check them out. I don't think they would be because they're kind of a small. They're narrow. They're not really wide. Yeah. But just a, a streetcar version. Yeah. I have no idea what the, what era they're from. I know they're a raw, unpainted finish, which is uncommon to see in them. Hmm. But yeah, I did come across and now, and I didn't write it down. There was some there's some specific Dupont color. That's what Halibrands all came in. Yeah, kind of like weird gray, kind yeah. of gray. Yeah. But anyway, so the other thing that American Racing did, they also had a version of Mini Lights. Yep. They're called uh, Silverstones. Yep. So Mini Lights are an English wheel. Eight-spoke design. That everybody else copied. Mm-hmm. Panasport. Yep. And my favorite, Watanabe. Yep. And, uh, I mean, there's like a bunch. Yeah, Anki. Comp E's? Is that what they're saying? I think it's just comp. Comps? Well, it's a silent E, I assume. Yeah. But yes, the Anki comp is a eight-spoke design. But here's the thing. How many eight-spoke designs could you make? So exactly. they're all going to be the same, but slightly different. Exactly. So, we touched on some of the history of wheels, and a lot of the early designs came from, like, American Racing. Mm-hmm. Um, torque thrusts are, like, my favorite mm-hmm. of that early style wheel. Well, if you look at a lot of the early wheels, early aftermarket wheels, they were all five spokes, because most cars were five lugs, and it was easy to make a design that went around the five lugs. Mm-hmm. That's that, why they were five spokes. Well, that's why Libras are four. That's why Libras are four spokes, because it's, made... a, it's a torque thrust style wheel four, four for a four spoke car. Yeah. yeah. Now you've got on four lug cars, on me. the Camaro you don't have torque thrusts. You've got they look. I think they're called two hundred S's because they're five spoke. Yeah, they're wide. They're 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 actually the same as the Libra, but they're five spoke. But they're a five spoke version of the Libra. So I believe those are called the two hundred S. Yeah, people call them Coke bottle mags. Yeah, because the spokes have a Coke bottle curve design yeah. to them. 
but they, that's actually more what the Libra design is than a mm -hmm. um, torque thrust because torque thrust is a rounder spoke. Yeah. Whereas the square, they were square. On but the they hollow cast the spokes to mm -hmm. make them light. Oh yeah, they're very light. I mean, the point of all this is that there really isn't such a thing as quote fake wheels. Um, you can have wheels of varying quality. Yes, yeah, a quality is where you get into the fake wheels versus not fake wheels. But there's only so many designs. And some are more classic than others. And the, when something works and it's aesthetically pleasing, people yeah. copy. Well, like I said, how many ways can you do an eight spoke? Exactly. There's not that much room it's to make circle. them different. It's a circle with eight spokes. You can vary the spoke design a you little bit. You can try to put a teddy bear in there. Yeah, which I've owned a set of in the past <laughs> yeah. by Renal. Um, or those weird Venetian blind ones you have. I don't have Venetian blind wheels. What are the hell those ones that are in the trunk of the... Centra 7s. They're not Venetian blinds. Whatever. That's they're like, like, they're like Dorito wheels. <laughs> um, the Venetian blind wheels are the ones you've seen on like donks in the 90s oh, that have okay. like actual Venetian blind looking to them. Anyway, we're off topic now. Um, where were we at? Okay, so there's only so many, there's only so many eight spoke designs you can make. Right. So you could say that a Watanabe is a copy of a Panasport, is a copy of a Mini Light, is a copy of a Sprint. Mm -hmm. But most wheel enthusiasts could look at any one of those wheels and tell you which one it is. Yeah. When you get into a copy, you get into a manufacturer who's making a wheel to try to get the market share of the brand name's wheel by copying it and casting it off as the same. That's when you run into a problem, I think. So if it's slightly different, it's, it's just okay. imitation and it's okay? It's not imitation. It's just the limitations of an eight spoke design or limitations of a five spoke design there's only so many designs you can make but if you make a wheel and you market it as a watanabe and it's not now you've made a fake wheel yeah if you make a wheel that looks like a watanabe but has a slightly different taper and doesn't have fake you know casting marks where a watanabe wheel would have casting marks so it doesn't look exactly like a watanabe then you're not making a copy yeah i think that's where the difference lies you know, if you're trying to pass off something as that it was not. Like in, in fashion, you can buy a fake Gucci purse versus a real Gucci purse. You know, it's not... I don't, is Gucci even a purse? I think so. Okay. I good. don't know. It's a brand. I know that. It was a Fendi bag. That's what I was trying to think of. Sure. So you, you could try... You could make a fake Fendi bag and sell it for $15 in a market in, you know, New York versus $400 for one in a store at a you know, mall somewhere. Right. You're trying to emulate and sell somebody else's intellectual property as your own. If your wheel is similar but not marketed as the same, I'm fine with it. I don't care. There's only so many ways you can make it look. Well, no. You can have a wheel that's inspired by stuff. 100%. Totally okay. Inspired by is how life works. Yeah. People learn from other people. You have to be inspired by something. You know, everything was inspired by something. You know, I'm looking at a picture on the wall behind you of a Lamborghini Countach. Somebody could say that it was... You know, Lamborghini's ripoff of the Lotus, you know, Esprit design. So it's a wedge. You know, they're all very similar. Everything's inspired by something else. And when something comes out in an era, that style is popular at that era because it's the style at the time. You know, in the mid-90s, every car had that kind of, you know, rounded jelly bean bar of soap shape. It wasn't because they were copying one another. It's because everybody was inspired by everybody else. That's okay. Like uh, black fender liner cladding. On every crossover now. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's not a copy. Yeah. It's just 
somebody's inspired by somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, and and if you buy something that fits your budget and it's still a quality piece, and you're not pretending it's something it's not, it's fine. Who cares? Not everybody's gonna run work wheels. Not everybody's gonna run BBS wheels. There's gotta be another market out there for other people. You know, I don't want to spend two thousand dollars on a car and four thousand dollars on wheels. Sorry, mm-hmm. just not gonna do it. Yeah, so that's that. I mean, well, the whole internet argument is about you know friends don't let friends run rotas. Well, guess what? I encourage you to run rotas because they're fine. Yeah, and they don't pass them off as something else. No, they're called rotas. Yeah. If you buy a rota and put a Volk sticker on it, then you're an idiot. But yeah. don't do that, and it's fine. Most people could look at the wheel and tell you it's not what it's supposed to be. And the people that can't tell, doesn't matter anyway. It also comes with, like, brand recognition. Like, you know, like a brand like 1552. They do have some awesome original designs. But even their name, but, an original design, it's inspired by something. Yeah. They're inspired by motorsports in the 80s. Yeah. You know, they have a flat five-spoke design. looks very similar to the wheel that came out on F40 Le Mans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not... I'm not going to call them a fake brand or a knockoff no. brand. They're a legitimate brand of wheel that makes a, pro- a quality product. Yeah, because so. they just came out with a wheel that looks like a Delta Integrale wheel, which is right. actually like a Comp Motive wheel. Mm-hmm. I think the Delta Integrale wheel was made by Comp Motive, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's inspired by that. Yep. Yeah. I think that there's no problem with that. If it's something that was available in the market in the past and it's not available anymore and he makes something that looks similar more power to you. Mm-hmm. Just don't try to pass it off as what it's not and don't try to actively steal that brand's recognition. I think that's where the difference lies. Mm-hmm. So I think you have some of these um, companies that are less reputable. Mm-hmm. You know, people make fun of Rota because the go-to wheel, but Rota is an OEM manufacturer as well now. So, and they make their aftermarket wheels in the same conditions they make their OEM quality wheels. Yep. So there's no reason to say it's not a quality issue. And people post a picture of a broken rota. Yeah, that happens. But I could find pictures of broken BBS wheels too. Like things happen. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple sets of rotas and never had an issue. You know, it's not a. You've had a set of rotas for twenty years almost, never had an issue. So, also speaking of inspired by, uh, BBS RS. Yeah. Again, an often replicated wheel. But what is it inspired by in the first place? Wire wheels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's an alloy version of a wire wheel. Exactly. So. And, I mean, that is one of the most aesthetically pleasing style of wheels mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, it works on everything. It does. There are two wheel designs that work on everything. Passports. Eight-spoke, you know, Passport, Watanabe, Enki Comp 8, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the crosshatch basket weave, which would be the Enki RS style. And there's about, like, a million versions of it. You know, there's BBS RSs. I mean, even BBS themselves makes a million different versions of it because yeah. they have the RS, the RA, the, yeah. you know, there's just a bunch of different ones. I've got HREs that are meshes that look just like BBSs. Yeah. I have Inky 92s, which are a different design. They're a different They're a different mesh. Yeah. yeah. They're a flatter surface. There's no three dimension to it. It's just a flat surface with a relief hole. I'm trying to think, is, does anyone else make one that looks like an Inky 92? I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know it. Uh, American Racing makes a BBS, you know, That's right, style. they do. Yeah. My father has one with Corvette, actually. No, those are Yankees. You're right. They're Yankees, which were also sold as American Racings. Mm-hmm. Weird. Right? It's weird. Yeah. It's super weird. It's one of the only things that, like... Which I think the Yankees on his car would have been Yankee... 
nineties. I don't know. Might have been eighty nine, nineties. Eighty nine. Because back in back in the eighties, he bought those wheels in eighty five. Mm-hmm. All the Yankee wheels had numbers. That was pretty uncommon. What's that? To buy an Yankee wheel back then? He was a dealer. So, yeah. in fact, the wheels that are on my Starion yeah. were bought through his dealership. I have mm-hmm. the receipt and everything, which is why they're kind of cool that I have them now. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it's like my HREs. I don't know if they're 501s or 502s. Like, I can't tell. Yeah. Because they're, they're just all so similar. But regardless. Yankee 98. Cool. That's the style of my father's 80 Corvette. Yeah. <clears throat> which is one of my favorite... His particular car is probably my favorite third-gen Corvette. It's my favorite late third-gen, yeah, for sure, but because of the stands and the wheels. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we digress. Um, so, yeah, we talked about OEM alloys you could get. Mm-hmm. 54, you get Saber Spoke alloy, that's what they're called, for Cadillacs. Okay. Uh, the Y-Track wheels for Pontiac. And then you get Mag wheels by Campagnolo. Is that how you say it? Campagnolo, yeah. Campies, as they're yep. called in circles. On uh, Abarts. A lot of Italian cars. Yeah. And then, uh, interestingly, so Ferrari offered their first alloy wheel. So it was the magnesium Chromadora Starburst. That was for road-going versions of the 275 GTB in 1964. Okay. And, of course, it's the same was, basic style they ran right through the 80s. This is an alternative to the Barani wire spoke. And then... Interesting, for competition, Baranis were still used for a few more seasons after they introduced these magnesiums. Mm-hmm. And then in 67, a 275 GTB C was the last Ferrari competition car to be raced in anger with traditional wire wheels. See what you did there. I did. Follow his Instagram, yeah. raced in anger. <laughs> and then I was surprised that Corvettes really only had LA wheels in C3, or no, C- late C2s. With knockoffs, they had knockoffs, which wasn't. I think they were pretty early, actually, with the knockoffs. It's like C, like '64. My father had them on a '63. Yeah. Doesn't mean that they were correct. I don't know for a fact. They were '63 through like '68, and then they had steel wheels. Excuse me. Like forever until some optional alloy wheel. Yeah, they did. In the '70s. A lot of GM performance cars had steel mm-hmm. wheels because they had the rally wheel design they used mm-hmm. on literally everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like certain wheels became a symbol of a brand. Like, uh, what is the aluminum wheel called? They were sixty-three to sixty-six knockoffs. Yeah, what is the aluminum wheel called that's used in Mercedes? A rudge. A bunt pan. Sometimes people call them bunt pans. Bunts, they call bunts. them. Bunts, okay. B-U-N-D-T. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was, bunts. Those were used like on almost every... People call them the manhole cover. Yeah, almost every model of Mercedes until they came out with those monoblocks, I think, right? Well, the monoblocks were the AMG style. Yeah, and that was when, that was from like the late 80s through like the 90s. Yeah, the bunt wheels were 69 to 85. Mm-hmm. That's a good long run for a set of wheels. Yeah, and and of course Fuchs, like yeah, they used Porsches for years from like early 911s, not the first ones, but like early 911s all the way through like the 80s. Oh, for sure. I'm trying to see if I could. Uh, the pork, according to the internet, the Porsche. Fuchs Fel- Fuchsfelge for the first 911 in 1965. Mm-hmm. 
was the first forged wheel mm-hmm. and thus laid the foundation for a great historical development. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Interestingly enough, Fuke does other wheels. That's the brand. Yeah. They make the OEM wheels on a new i3. I did not know that. Otto yeah. Otto Fuchs. Yep. Hmm. This is definitely a... Uh, Wheels go deep. Yeah. We're going way deep here. And, uh, I mean... Oh, they know. also came factory on NSUs. Yep. NSU RO80 had yep. Fuchs. They, but they were a slightly different design for it. They weren't the standard Porsche design. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, the RO80 ones are pretty close. Yeah, they are very close. Yeah, they're a very high offset, but they're very close. Yeah. Inspired by. Well, yeah, no, the same brand. It's not inspired by. It's <laughs> just the same design. Kind of like Watt and Ivy's 8-spokes, they have the Type F for front-wheel drive offsets mm-hmm. versus the Type R for the deep you know, rear drive offsets. Well, anyway, I hope we shed a little bit of history on wheels. Yeah, and we could probably go deeper, too, if we started to talk about OEMs and OEM manufacturers and where they get their wheels from and why they don't make them themselves. I didn't, uh, I didn't know too much about wire wheels because I never really thought about it. No. I know I like them. One of my dream cars is still an MGB GT uh, chrome bumper car on painted wires. Painted wires? Mm-hmm. Instead of chrome. Chrome's kind of, you know, gray, gray painted wire. I, reali- I didn't realize that. So Jaguar bought the rights to the Rudge Whit- Whitmore? Okay. This is the hub design? Rudge Whitworth hub design. And so they own it. Interesting. And that's why it's all on uh, Jaguar cars. Like E-types and stuff. It's kind of, it's it's like, really interesting. It goes deep. I think we've only scratched the surface here. I've learned a lot, but we've only scratched the surface. Well, that's the thing. It gets super crazy when he's starting to alley wheels. Yeah, because there's so many manufacturers popped up so quick, too. Yeah, like right in the 50s, 50s mm-hmm. through the 60s. Well, I have a bunch of hot rod magazines from the 60s, and there's just tons and tons of advertisements for wheel manufacturers you've never even heard of. Mm-hmm. Some that still exist. You know, you have your American Racings and your Western Wheels and um, Wolf Racing was a big one in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of different ones. Yeah, I didn't know, like, the the foundry for American Racing was up in Portland, Oregon. Okay. So, all kinds of neat stuff like that. So, anyways, as we wrap it up here... Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast. Follow our YouTube channel, Auto Off Topic. I uploaded a couple of videos, uh, new ones up there. There's one about putting on the Kokomo wheel trim. I did see that today, actually. I watched that after the work. And, uh, it was one. very, very informative when you buy your new old stock Kokomo wheel trims and how to put them on. Exactly. <laughs> and the, um, And I have a spare set of them. They're Mr. Gasket brand ones. Which is also bizarre. Yeah. So, I don't know. We had to figure out some way we're going to give them away. But we'll bring them with us to Radwood. And uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll figure out some way to give them away or something. Yeah. Maybe the first listener that's there that finds us, if anyone does. I'm thinking... <laughs> if they want them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking we're cooler than probably we actually are, but uh, we'll see. And then we've got uh, a hashtag... It's uh, RadVR4, and uh, you can follow that for our trip down there. Yeah, please do. And we'll be posting stuff to we'll Instagram. Post, we'll post along the way interesting roadside attractions, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it will all be done by the co-driver, who won't be driving. Oh, of course. At the time. And, uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Race and Anger. 
And Brad, where they can find find you? Where they can find me? Yep. They can find me at Instagram at TSISS350. I'll be sure to hashtag a RadVR4 tag picked there so it'll be easier to find it mm-hmm. instead of having to remember TSISS350. That's right. And as always, keep your cars analog. Your wheels knock off. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> Dump it. Start again. Keep your cars analog. And your wheels nope. wire. Keep you guys analog, <laughs> and aim for the roses. Thanks.